0: Again, thank you for your giving, and I just want to jump into the message because this cyclically is a very stressful time in many of our lives. If you think about graduations, you think about this is when most people move in May and August time frame. You think about weddings, you think about vacations, you think about an empty nest if, if you're losing your kids for the first time out of the house. And, and so the question is, how can I cope with stress because you're never going to get rid of stress? The stress is always going to be in our lives. And so we have to learn to cope with stress because I believe that stress is good. The Bible says iron sharpens iron, and that's caused by two rocks coming together. And so stress is good, but when it turns into distress, then all of a sudden it, it, it turns into something else that begins to destroy and is unhealthy in our life. And too many of us are living a distressed lifestyle versus learning how to manage stress to be successful in our lives. And when you study the life of Jesus, he was constantly under pressure. He had grueling demands on his time. He rarely had any personal privacy in his life. He constantly was interrupted in life. People repeatedly misunderstood him. They ridiculed him. They criticized him constantly. And his stress would cause many of us to cave in in life. So as we look at the life of Christ, we quickly discover that he remained at peace. Everybody say peace. He remained at peace, under pressure, and I thought, how did Jesus handle all the stress in his life? Because when you study Jesus, it's amazing, he was never in a hurry. He always had time for everybody. If you study Jesus' life, he was always at ease. There was a calmness about his life, and that all that coupled together allowed him to, to not allow stressful situations and stress ruin his life. So the question is, how did he do that successfully? And I believe that, that he had eight principles that he lived by, and we're going to look at a few of them today. We're going to look at a few of them next week, culminating with communion, because I believe that if we'll learn what communion is all about, that which we'll be taking next week, we'll really understand how to relieve stress in our lives. Because if we do what Jesus did, then we'll experience less pressure. And I think all of us would like less pressure. If we would do what Jesus did, we'll have more of a peace of mind. And especially in the world today, we need to have more peace of mind. Isaiah 26, verse 3. You will keep in perfect peace all who trust in you and all whose thoughts, everybody say thoughts, thoughts are fixed on you. That's why we challenged you a couple of weeks ago to begin the read four verses a day. I've been doing it. It takes about 15 seconds. And, and I encourage you, and, and even though I read the Bible every day, I'm coming along, and I'm like, even I have to be intentional about reading those four verses. But let's pray, and then we'll jump into the Word for the next 15 minutes. Father God, I just thank you. Lord, you're absolutely amazing in what you do. Father, all of us deal with stress. That's the one thing that we all have in common in the house. But Father, how we handle that stress, how we deal with that stress, Father, is what makes the difference, is the determination, is how we handle stress. We either are light to the world, or we become a bridge to the world, or we block people from coming to Christ because they're like, if that's what being a Christian is, then I don't want that. But yet, if they see us have this unbelievable peace, this indescribable joy, this gentleness, this kindness, this this self-control then, Father, suddenly they'll want what we have, and his name is Jesus, and that's what we want. We want everybody to spend eternity in heaven, and they only come to the Father except through your Son. In Jesus' name, amen. So the first thing is identification. When you know who you are in Christ, it will relieve stress. John 8, verse 12, Jesus said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 10, 9, I am the door. John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. John 10, 11, I am the good shepherd. John 10, 36, I am God's son. In other words, very simply in those few verses, Jesus knew who he was. He knew who he was. So the question is not, does Jesus know who he is? But do I know who I am? Do I know who I am in Christ? Not do I know Vic Comstock, but do I know who Vic Comstock is as a born-again Christian in Christ? Because see, once I realize who I am in Christ, that's the first principle of being successful in managing stress in your life. See, Jesus said it on John eight eighteen. I know who I am. I testify of myself. And it's critically important in stress management because if you don't know who you are, then somebody else is going to try to tell you who they think you are. Don't miss that. And if you don't know who you are, then subconsciously, it will, they, it, the situations will manipulate you. You let others manipulate you and pressure you, believing that you are somebody that you're not. And a lot of stress in our life results from us hiding behind masks, living double lives, being unreal with others, and trying to be someone that we're not. In communion next week, Simply reminds me, every time I take communion, I'm coming into common union with Christ. I'm coming in common union with the Holy Spirit. I'm coming in common union with the Father God. And it reminds me that moment that that Jesus is my big brother, that I have a helper that is sent to me that came inside me, and Father God wants the best for me. See, an unhealthy rhythm, everybody say rhythm, an unhealthy life rhythm is insecurity, I was joking because, see, when you all don't ride on the golf carts in, you say, oh, no, we don't need a ride. It breeds insecurity in me. You laugh, but how many rejections does it take to wonder why people don't want to ride with me? And that insecurity produces pressure in our lives. Pressure causes us to be coerced to perform and conform to the world and the result is we set unrealistic standards for our lives and then we work and we work and we work and we work and we still can't meet those unrealistic standards and tension and pressure naturally occur as a result and so if we don't manage it we get distressed and the first way to balance stress in our life is to get an internal rhythm of who I am in Christ Jesus I know Who I am because I know whose I am. See, I've surrendered my life, Romans 12, 1 and 2. I've surrendered my mind. I've surrendered my spirit, reading the word every day. I'm surrendering my mind. I'm renewing my mind on who I am. I am a child of God. I am born again. I am the righteousness of God in Christ. I am the head and not the tail. I know that I can be at my lowest physical, emotional point in my life, but by praying in the Holy Spirit, my body, my mind will be re-energized in that moment. I was not put onto this earth by accident but for purpose I am deeply loved by God I am accepted by God he has a plan that I can't even think or imagine how big it is in my life because he put me here and I am significant I am significant I don't find my significance in you but I find my significance in Christ everybody say I am am. significant and to handle stress you got to know who you are in Christ and I'll be real with you Until you handle this issue in your life, you'll be hindered by insecurity in your life. The second thing is dedication. Know whom you're trying to please is the second principle in stress management. John chapter 5 verse 30, Jesus said, I can do nothing on my own. I judge as God tells me, therefore my judgment is just. Because I carry out the will of the one who sent me, not my own will. Let me tell you, let's be real. You can't please everybody. Because by the time you please one group, the other group's not going to like you anymore. God himself could not please everybody. Read the Bible. The religious people didn't like him. Some of the other people didn't like him. So if Jesus himself can't please everybody, then it's foolish for you to try to do something that even God can't do. Jesus knew he was trying to please. It was a settled issue for him. Jesus said, I'm going to please the Father. Matthew 3.17. God said about his son Jesus, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But see, when you don't know whom you're trying to please, you cave into three things. Number one, you cave into criticism because you're concerned about what others think about you. The second thing you're concerned about is competition because you're concerned and you worry about whether somebody else is getting ahead of you in your life. And then the third thing is conflict. Because you're threatened when anybody disagrees with you in your life. And all those cause distresses in your life. And yet, Matthew 6.33 gives us a big stress relief. If you seek me first, Vic, then and the kingdom of God, then I will add all these other things unto you. Wow, man, so if I seek God first, then I don't have to be stressed out about everything else. Man, the word is so simple. That means if I vertically focus on pleasing God, it will simplify my life. Because if I focus on pleasing God, then God will show me how to please my wife. God will show me how to please my kids. God will show me how to please my grandkids. God will show me how to please you. And I'll always be doing the right thing that pleases God regardless of what anybody else thinks. See, the problem is we love to blame our stress on other people and other obligations. Well, you made me, I have to, I've got to. And let's be real in life. Actually, there are a few things that you really got to do in life. It used to be you had to work in life. Anymore, you don't have to work in life. Come on, let's say amen. You don't have to work. So when we say, I have to, I must, I've got to, what are we really saying? Because hardly anybody makes us do anything. And if really nobody makes us do anything then how do we blame others for our stress? Because when we feel pressure, when we feel pressure, we're choosing to allow other people to put us under pressure. And we are not victims unless we allow ourselves to be pressured by other people's demands. The third principle for handling stress, organization. Know what you're trying to accomplish. In John eight fourteen, Jesus, in essence, said, I know where I came from, and I know where I'm going. See, unless you plan your life, unless you set priorities, you'll be by pressured by others to do what they think is important. Every day, you live your life by priorities, or you live your life by pressures. Every day, you decide what is important in your life, or you let other people decide what is important in your life. And it's easy to operate, I've been there, I know what it's like, it's easy to operate under the tyranny of the urgent. It's easy to get to the end of your day and think, man, what have I really accomplished in my life? It's easy to expend a lot of energy on a lot of things, but did I accomplish anything that affected eternity? Catch this, busyness is not necessarily Productiveness. If I sit up here and spun in circles, I'm really, really busy. I'm expending a lot of energy. But what am I... <laughs> yeah. What am I really accomplishing in life? Preparation causes you to be at ease. Preparation prevents pressures that procrastination produces. And a new life rhythm, good organization and good preparation reduces stress because you know who you are, you know who you're trying to please, and you know what you want to accomplish. Having clear goals simplifies your life, Family Life Fellowship. Taking a few minutes every day, talking to God in prayer. Psalm 119, reading four verses a day for the next for a total of 42 days next week we'll be halfway through allows me to get focused so when i look at my schedule then i can decide is that really the way that i want to live my life today is what i'm doing affect eternity does it edify my wife does it build up my kids does it impact the church making disciples Am I willing to exchange the next 24 hours of my life for these activities? Psalm 90, verse 17. It's one of my, probably my top 10 favorite verses. But let me share with you, this is how powerful it is. And man, I'm so excited to celebrate. Everybody say celebrate. Psalm 90, verse 17. And may the Lord our God show us his approval and make our efforts successful. Yes, make our efforts successful. Man, I was so excited this week. Just this week alone. This week alone, Prevail, one of the businesses we dedicated about a year ago, was just announced Business of the Year for Moberly through the Chamber of Commerce. Give Shannon a great big hand. And I was like, man, that is incredible because three out of the last four businesses of the year were businesses of Family Life Fellowship that had been dedicated. Last year, Huffman Insurance Group, two years ago was Foundation Recovery Systems. And man, I'm like, this, man, God's making, their they're putting God first and doing amazing things. And then 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 it didn't stop. Vic, Vicki Winkler, who comes to this service and she volunteers at the Dream Center. She's a first contact, serves on that con, First Impressions Dream Team. Somehow she just got the excellence of nursing award for the year and and man i was like excited because that's vicky and and then jennifer Christie, my wife was showing me a video jennifer Christie got some kind of educational award and and i was like celebrating and shelly davenport got promoted to the superintendent of making schools and and man i was just like and then this was this right here to all our dream teamers dream teamers it says family life fellowship 2022 community Partnership Award from Oberly Area Chamber of Commerce. Dream Teamers, you made that happen. Give it a great big hand, clap. Lord, make our efforts successful. But it's not an individual, it's a team. There are individual awards. And as much as we celebrate the individuals, so we need to celebrate also those team awards and all those things. And let me tell you, when you start rejoicing with those who rejoice and you weep with those who weep, then suddenly your stress will go away because there's something deep. Not competing, not comparing, not being jealous, but celebrating. Concentration. Focus on one thing at a time. Do you find yourself pulled in different directions? It's interesting because in Luke chapter 4, Jesus was there. And in Luke chapter 4, They tried to get him not to leave. It says, early the next morning, Jesus went out to an isolated place. The crowd searched everywhere for him, and when they finally found him, they begged him not to leave. But I love this part here. But he replied, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God in other towns, because that is why I was sent. So he continued to travel around preaching. He refused to be distracted by less important matters. What about you? What about you? What about you? The fourth principle in stress management is focus on one thing at a time. It's the principle of concentration. Jesus was a master at this. Everybody tried to interrupt him. Everybody had a plan B for Jesus. And he responded, I'm sorry, I must be about my father's business. And he kept doing what God told him to do. Preach the kingdom of God. Heal the sick. Set those who are free and held captive. He was determined. He was persistent. He was focused. We have a couple in our church, Eugene and Lily. Eugene is Russian. Actually migrated from Russia. Lily is a first generation American. And her parents are Ukrainian. And her uncle... We'll try to get some videos up next week. I had to get them translated because I don't understand Ukrainian or Russian. A little bit of Russian, but. And, and her uncle, I just like, my been handed. So a friend of mine from Kirksville who I reconnected with at Coach Mike's church, he got us connected and, and they're going into the Eastern. They're taking train cars of food and supplies into the war-torn areas of... Of Ukraine and you know even though we can't get over there man I my focus is I try to pray for him about 10 minutes a day in the Holy Spirit because I don't know the needs but the Holy Spirit does he was determined he was persistent he was focused Terry Fowler Linda who runs our nursery he's literally between life and death right now and he needs our focus of prayers I've been praying hard for him speaking life so if you can lift up Terry, encourage Linda. I think she's even serving here today. See, when you have 30 things to do, clear your life and focus on one thing. And when you finish that one thing, then pick up the next thing. That's why when you go into prayer, when you go into reading your Bible, have your Bible, no phone. Read your Bible. When you go into prayer, no phone, pray. And then you can do all the other stuff. Because when we diffuse our efforts, we're ineffective. James says a double-minded person is unstable in all their ways. But when we're concentrated, our efforts are like laser-focused. And it's not a hazy glow. Light diffused produces a hazy glow. Light concentrates, produces fire. Jesus Christ did not let interruptions prevent him from concentrating on his goal. He didn't let others make him tense. He didn't let others make him stressed out. He didn't let others make him irritated. Yesterday, I did a home-going service for, for Tom Grant. And his wife's here today, and, and family's here today. And it was funny, because there was three, probably two to 300 people, and I didn't know any of them. And so I told my wife, when I get up there, I'm going to share this opening definition of this word. And uh, I'd never heard this word before. And so I got up there, and I said, for the next two hours, I'm going to rant, speak, declare, pause, poetry, whatever. And people's eyeballs got really, really big. And, uh, and so, my wife said, I couldn't even look at anybody around us. <laughs> and then I just said, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just going to speak for about 10 or 15 minutes. <laughs> but it sort of broke the ice. You got to have fun, amen? And then the last one, last one, and we're going to close. And next week is Communion Sunday. Delegation. Don't do it all by yourself. Don't do it all by yourself. Don't do it all by yourself. Mark chapter, Mark chapter 3, verse 13 through 15. Afterward, Jesus went up to the mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with him. I like that. He called out the ones he wanted to go with him. Don't just assume. that now, you know what? If I talk to you about ministry school coming up in August, realize I'm not just flippant trying to get a, a number, but I believe God laid you on my heart. To really consider ministry school. Afterward, Jesus went, or one of the staff members went up on the mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with them. And they came to him, and then he appointed the twelve of them and called them apostles, the sent ones. The sent ones, apostles mean sent ones. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. These are the twelve that he chose. Jesus delegated his authority because I believe it would relieve some stress. Do you know why we get uptight and tense in our life? And you're talking to a guy that I'm doing really a lot better on delegating because you think everything depends on you. You think everything, you got to be Atlas holding up the cares of the world. And if if it's not on your shoulders, it's all going to fall apart. But Jesus enlisted the 12, he trained the 12 discipleship. He delegated his work to those that were trustworthy, the 12, he got other people involved. The reason we don't delegate, the reason we don't get others involved, why we try to do it all ourselves is two reasons. First is perfectionism. We think if I want the job done well, then I'll do it myself. And let me tell you, could Jesus have done the job better than the 12 disciples? Definitely, He's the son of God. But there's something that he's trying to say here. Don't rob others of an education. Don't rob others of an education. And the second thing is we don't delegate because of personal insecurity. What if I turn the responsibility over to someone and they do a better job than me? That thought's threatening to us and I was like, Holy Spirit, why? why?" And I wrote this down. It's highlighted in pink. It says, we are focused on ownership versus stewardship. Yet God owns it all, and we just steward it. And when we don't act like owners, but like stewards, then it will relieve stress. If you know whom you're trying to please, if you know what you want to accomplish, If you know the one thing that you really wanna focus on, which is Jesus and eternity, you'll be effective in getting other people involved. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Right now with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to focus on this. If you died right now, do you know where you would end up in what we call eternity? You have to focus on Jesus because he's the only one that can save you from eternal separation from God. He's the only one. So if you're unsure, just say, dear Jesus, right now I ask you to come into my heart. I ask you to come into my life. I accept you as my savior. I know I'm not perfect and I may not have a lot left. But Jesus, what I have, I give you my failures. I give you my mistakes. I give you my guilt, my shame. And I don't get it all. But I at least know that this is the start. So Jesus, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. And that moment that you pray that from your heart, however you pray it, The angels in heaven are celebrating. The angels up here on the rafters are just cheering. They're shouting up to heaven, say, man, so-and-so just gave his heart to Jesus. Such-and-such just gave her heart to Jesus. So-and-so, he and she just came home, came back home. Man, let's throw a party. And I want to encourage you that only Jesus can save you. But it's our responsibility to provide discipleship for you. Next steps. Water baptism, growth tracks, small groups are getting ready to launch again. Those are key next steps for you. So what I'm gonna ask you to do is give your great big hand to everybody, those who gave their heart to Jesus.